Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast, episode 71, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And co-host Tony. And this week, we are continuing our three-part series of me presenting Tony's abnormal paranormal stories. It's the final week. It's the <laughs> final week. It's been a good run. It's been a great run, actually. <laughs> it's been better than good. It's been, been good plus plus. We've got to apologize off the bat if you're... Um, Audio sounds a little all over the place. It's our first week without Tony wearing headphones. He's no, full nude from the neck. I up. am. I am. It's a, it's a, it's a very a surreal feeling. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I can hear it. It sounds fine. But okay, well, it do... might be that you forget that you're near a microphone. Give me point. your hand uh, gesticulations if you need me to okay. quiet down or go up up. Yeah, or... no, that's too loud. Oh, okay, too low. Okay, well. It's really, it's really hard to know. <laughs> um, so straight off the bat, I want to thank anyone who donated to my Step Timber Fund. That's right. So that's where you're listening to the band Steps for, for was a it? full hour. Yeah, for a hundred uh, bucks. <laughs> yeah, was it was it was it four, it was four hours, hours? And yeah. you're going to do fifty on a, on bet fifty on netball, <laughs> yeah, and it's right. to your pocket. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I'm walking 10,000 steps a day for the month of September to raise money for cerebral slash cerebral palsy, depending what on if, where you're listening from. What if you um, walk all these steps, you mm. get arthritis, Yeah. and then we have to raise money for you for my arthritis? Yeah, because you've been raising money for the band Steps. Yeah. I've considered this, considering I've got a bit of a tight hammy. Oh, no, Tight this hamstring. Is, this is um, the beginning. You're on the downward slope now. You um, might just need to be put down. Like, I, do they turn people into like dog food if they expire? Or I'm not sure. Is that horses? Yeah, I mean, it's on the packet. It's horses, I think. But it could be people on the face. It could of be it. these ten thousand steppers that just <laughs> they just max themselves out in their early thirties because of all their charity events, and yeah. you're you're done, and you turn into dog food. Yeah, damn. Um, so had um, a sizable donation from the UK um, from Jim who um, put it through obviously as soon as she heard so that was pretty awesome Brilliant. and translated to a big chunk of my um, <clears throat> donations so far so that's I right can... our exchange rate is horrendous at the moment yeah so, so anyone from overseas it doesn't even have to be a big amount it, it translates to plenty over yeah. here so um, I'm almost at my goal uh, I think Tony's going to spot the rest uh, once we get yeah. there so. Um, he's going to match dollar for dollar. That's right. If you're in the UK and you donate like a teaspoon, that's it's like $10,000 here. So. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, thanks very much. That was cool. Um, and um, any other admin? Good. I feel sp- like there was some other admin. I was thinking um, we... Yeah, so we've done the headphones. We've done the... Um, <laughs> we've done the headphones. The, th- the third part thing. We've yep. done the five, six, seven, eight steps challenge. Yes. Is that everything? um we had some tweets last week that we were going to get to we pushed one forward um zero 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 anti-hero from auckland wanted to hear some more mad lad stories right so right to explain what a mad lad story is it's kind of like if um jackass was way shitter yeah um (laughs) precisely and tony has a has a habit of um doing strange things often in other countries but just in social situations that for some reason are hilarious, but really 
don't mean much, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's there's there's, there's a few that I'm just I'm just trying to remember, and I think most of them were around when I think we were saying before. It's one of the most successful recipes of something that is mad ladish is for me when you act confused about something that's easily understood. And people just um, can't understand that. Mm-hmm. But so you get a free pass so, because you're confused. Exactly. So they're confused because what you're confused about is really simple. Yeah. But you're clearly confused about something that's con- that's not confusing, which confuses someone. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's what a, I that's enjoy. That's a way to not confuse the issue. Yes. Um, one example we were just talking about before we started recording, prime example of a mad lad was the time that you drove your car around with L plates on. Yes. As if you were a, a learner driver. So L, L plates in New Zealand, you have them up, you display L plates when you're still learning to drive, and mm-hmm. it gives you a bit of a pass to um, you know, not necessarily drive as confidently as you may with yeah. someone who's been on their, on what we would call the full driver's license. So at the time when we were doing this, I was on my been on my full license for several years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you put the, you put up the L plates in your car, which is like a, a you know a sign that goes in the window, so that anyone around you knows to kind yeah. of so act a with yellow, a yellow yellow square with a black L in it. Yep. Yep. And so you put some up and felt like it was a free pass to do whatever you felt yeah. like, as long as you looked confused at the time. So like you pretend to bunny hop, <laughs> even though this is an automatic. I normally did it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Parking on traffic islands was quite good. Yeah. The one that you just said about was um, you were sighted by someone you worked with um in the middle of a roundabout with your hazards on <laughs> just parked just parked yeah. looking confused and, and nervous and scared which apparently got reported on the police scanner yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was one that my dad heard <laughs> and we recognized your license plate because it was quite distinctive <laughs> yeah. um so uh yeah, to bring up some new ones, did you have did you have any more that you kind of so thought just thought up? thought some inspiration? So um, weekend, so this past Saturday I had a housewarming um, attended. attended one, yes, and um, we had been there, and afterwards decided to go to a, a, a open till midnight Kmart, and um, yeah, just cause a little bit of just annoyance you weren't there the for the annoyance because that paints you as someone who was just out to cause no trouble. it wasn't no it was you just had to go there because someone needed something yeah and uh, happened to be and came out a little bit tipsy yeah yeah it's <laughs> a bit drunk yeah I'd had, I'd, I'd had a bit to drink and um just found a trolley mm-hmm. uh sort of trundler and just thought it'd be fun to take this down you know down aisles that are too narrow for the trolley <laughs> which uh famously is like the when you have all the clothes and the really tight constraints they've got all the racks around there so you just push the trolley through the middle of all the racks and it just knocks stuff off all the way through um bit of a dick move i guess yeah sure i'll admit it but you just act again a little bit confused as if you're doing your shopping pushing a trolley through put a couple things in the trolley mm-hmm. just stroll down the very narrow aisles that aren't designed to have a trolley and as you go you're knocking about four items off every single rack as you're going down and things are getting caught in the trolley and stuff getting caught in the wheels and you just go through what if the checkouts go through buy you a couple of items and just leave the trolley there with all the stuff hanging off it <laughs> yeah <Idiot. laughs> <laughs> but um then afterwards a, a friend decided it was a good idea to sit in and this is where this is where the mad lads thing doesn't work um there was like a child child uh, toy not a toy but like those um, right on coin auto- yeah coin operator right on things and as a 
you know, thirty-something-year-old man decides to get into that, mm-hmm. and um, you did, or someone else? No, not me. Yeah. I thought that's too. You, know, you can't do that because that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah, someone's going to. Sure enough, sure, security guard came over and shooed him off. It's like, right. see, that's not. But a confused man going down the woman's lingerie aisle, knocking bras off. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. And then I had a flashback then to sort of, as we were saying this to uh, one in 2005, where my first trip to Singapore mm-hmm. uh, and there was a market and I thought it'd be a great idea to try and sell clothes at the market. <laughs> <laughs> so would grab things off the rack and was trying to sell them. And um, yeah, I think then like the, the, the store owner got very annoyed with me and tried to shoot me away. But again, I just pretend like I didn't quite understand and was quite confused. Mm-hmm. And I was just saying, oh, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> trying to shift some merch. So and then like you know the, what do you mean by trying to sell it though you you just stood at this grab some stuff stood at the front and just accosted people walking by <laughs> to try and buy it and then you know how those big those big like big wooden poles they have to get like to garments get the stuff down? off the top yeah I started yeah. getting then he came at me with that and he came at you with that yeah and told me to get out <laughs> I think it was something like well, I can't would you you want to sell that too I mean if you sell that how are you gonna get your stuff down from the top this is foolish you hang on to that mate you're gonna need that. <laughs> Uh, I think you know maybe got a, a bit of a lightish tap, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, moved Goodness. on. And um, what about the beers one? Would we say that one? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that one there. Um, excellent. That ticks yeah. off that agenda item. Yep. Okay. If any more pop into your head, then um, obviously we can. Yeah, I gotta think because again, that, that magic formula. I encourage anybody who's listening to try that formula. Be confused about something that is simple and non-confusing which will then really confuse people because you're confused by something that's not confusing yeah um like like if you had something at a checkout you had your hand over a barcode and then couldn't understand when they told you you needed to scan the barcode yeah exactly like what's a barcode well you're still scanning the barcode the barcode just doesn't necessarily scan the correct price (laughs) (laughs) we'll leave that there shall we yeah um so um Anything else at the top end of the show before we dive into the main paranormal Fi- Final story? bit here is I feel a bit bad. Um, so been, this, car, this this podcast's been about selling vehicles and a lot of a vehicle chat on this podcast. We've <laughs> sold cars, bought cars, crashed cars, stolen cars. There's lots of this that happens in the last yep. 18 months. I bought your podcast. car. You bought my car. Yep. Yeah. Your new stepdad there. To I bought another it. car and got didn't they didn't give me all the money. Did I bring that one up on here? Uh, yep. Yep, yeah, that's right. That's right. There's scum there. So I got a car stolen. I had a car crashed into. I nearly crashed into a car. Mm-hmm. You had your car named by yeah, the show. He did. Uh, Golfy McGolfface. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I uh, sold my partner's car. Um, mm-hmm. It was a final step of the uh, fleet transformation of replacing um, the Hilux Earl um, mm-hmm. and his car, Nissy. <laughs> Which isn't as a creative name. This is a Tony thing to always have a name for the car, but go on. Anyway, so we've got Arnie now, who's the, the See? new car. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. And um, so people turned up yesterday, did a wee test drive, um, came back and they were like, love it, we'll take it. And there were comments like, oh, it looks even better than it did in the photos on the ad. And you're like, mm, don't say that to me because I'm not going to move on the price now. You're loving this yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a mistake. Um, found out that the person I'd sold it to had just had their car written off like two days prior. Someone like changed lanes onto them into their blind spot and like destroyed their car. Mm-hmm. And like, she's like at uh, college or university training to be a teacher. Yeah. You know? Like all good Sub stuff. story. Yeah. yeah. 
Had a sob story. But then turns around and I said, right, uh, price. So she said, oh, yeah, well, I can't, I can't pay the full amount just yet because I'm um, still wanting to get paid out by the insurance company. But mm. um, can I pay a deposit and then we'll do the rest? I'm like, yep, great. So we agreed on a $500 deposit. I quickly got my you know, notebook out and we drew up a quick wee contract just to mm-hmm. make it a fish. Yeah. Um, and then I said, okay, so it was um, $500 and the balance to pay. And she's like, yep, balance to pay, 2490 And I'm like wait a minute, you're not going to negotiate on price. Yeah. So some people we don't. put 2990 on the car on the ad just because we think, you know, we want to, it's probably only worth about 2500 <laughs> but we thought, ah, oh, we'll just put it up there and see what people think. If you're listening and you've just put a deposit on a car. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because now, now we're like a week behind. This will come out. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. You'll have the money by then. Yeah, we will. Enjoy your car. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great car. But um, I was surprised that even after hearing the sob, because I was preparing myself for a bit of a sob story, you know, crash car, poor student. Like the one that bought my car that had a miniature pony in yeah. the middle of the night. And horrific. Horrific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think this was just like a middle-aged wanker that um, crashed into this person. But um, Baby boomer, baby, probably. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look. Yeah. No need for mirrors. Yeah. He's yeah. taking all the mirrors off his car. Yeah. He's a baby boomer. <laughs> Fuck Don't need one. mirrors. I'm coming through. Baby yeah. boomer. Yeah, born after the war. Don't need mirrors. My grand, yeah, my father didn't fight in World War. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. Father didn't fight in World War Two to have mirrors on their cars. <laughs> I'm Probably. entitled to that other lane. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there's no resentment from us. Um. Uh-huh. But yeah, no. I, I felt a bit bad. I was like, oh, um, knowing it was sure sort of overpriced. I'm like, it's like you know, this sort of moral conundrum hit me. I thought, like, do I? like proactively discount because i feel bad about this but I no. thought, nah. here's the thing it's her insurance paying for it Th- that's right and i think in, in something like this the vehicle is worth what someone is prepared to pay for it mm-hmm. so she's prepared to pay 2990 it's worth 2990 yeah definitely not three though that would be oh it's psychological that's why you <laughs> stop it at 2990 um oh, you could be a madman yeah. Um, so, but the thing is that um, you're you're essentially just taking down the the corporations. This is you getting that extra five hundred out of an insurance company, not out and not out of a, a lowly, t- not lowly, not out of a, <laughs> a down on her luck teacher. Because the mum was like, "Oh yeah, I uh, I'm helping them out with the car, and and I've working." I've just come off a shift in the morning, got a few hours off, and I'm back on split shift back tonight. Oh, and like, like, you have prime candidacy for trying to knock me down because you are, like, I am a sensitive fellow. I this wouldn't stuff- care. I wouldn't care if I was buying a car and it was all insurance. You know, that's why I but, pay I, my but insurance. But insurance may be only, she might even get $1,500 for the insurance. You don't know what she's going to get for it. Like, Do you know what sort of car she wrote no, off? didn't say. But, but it would t- be someone else's insurance because it wasn't her fault. I know, but still, she's still having to. She's still getting a finite amount of money from an yeah. insurance company for a car that, if she was impressed by Nissi, I imagine it was not as. <laughs> still, three grand for a car is pretty cheap. It is. Yeah, and especially to a an insurance company. So. So yeah, I think everybody wins apart from the insurance company. So who cares? But the thing is, the insurance company is the same as my insurance company. So I guess yeah. ultimately, I have to pay. You know, it's, it's just the incremental increase in premiums that I have to pay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I wasn't sure if I should feel bad or not, but I guess for this counselling session, I'm kind of feeling okay about myself. Yeah, I'm not an evil. Doer. If you want to get less money, just sponsor me, and then the remainder can stay in your pocket, and then it's gone to charity. Right. Done. Done. I'll tweet the link. Um, 
Anything else in this top admin part of the show? I think we're done. Okay. I'm clear. Yeah. Then let's jump into your third and final um, story you've brought along to Luke Presents Tony's <clears throat> Abnormal Paranormal. So can I ask you a favour? No. First of all, we've got to explain what is abnormal paranormal. So this is what I was going to say. You are generally better at, dis- at explaining things than I am. Oh, yeah. uh, so case what you're point, saying is I'm the host and you're the co-host. So I introduced myself as co-host at the foot of the show, I guess. So um, <laughs> is it foot of the show top of the show? Nah, that's why I'm the host. Whatever it is. I'm not, not as good. Top of the show. It's the foot of the show, the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Maybe. There is no foot of the show. <laughs> There's a, there footer, is no, there's a foot on a website. There's a header and a footer. At there's the header he- and a footer on a Word document. At the header of the show, <laughs> the headliner, which is a, presumably you, and I'm the, the co-headliner. Um, <laughs> okay, so you want me to introduce the segment? That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm saying that when you do um, Strange and you talk about intro- Introduction of Strange, you always do better than I do. So Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally got that recorded. Um <laughs> Just carry on, do your part. God, now you now you're bringing down the show. You're bringing down your credibility of being able to introduce this thing. Introduce it then. You introduce it. No, I'm saying you can because you've. Uh, I'm better at it. Yes, you're better at it. There we go. Fine. We're back up again. I tend to waffle and go off on a tangent and say silly things. In this second segment of the show, Tony will be bringing us a story from the paranormal uh in this series we've been looking at abnormal paranormal which is paranormal but maybe something you wouldn't expect so Mm. um two weeks ago uh we talked about an alien invasion but it wasn't aliens it was quite goblin looking aliens so not something you'd generally expect from a paranormal not not the ever-present greys thus making it abnormal paranormal and then what was last week pascagoula alien abduction Refresh my memory. Uh, robotic oh, yes. claws, people. You did a great uh, impression. Okay, so uh, that was again an alien abduction, but um, quite often in paranormal shows you're used to hearing about greys. Yeah. This was more of a robotic steampunk looking machine yeah. type thing. And you had two two startled men who were um, unaware that they were recorded in secret. That's right, and one of them urinated at themselves. Something like that, yes. Um, so in this... Uh, third and final abnormal paranormal episode tony will be bringing us this uh this week part three of uh luke presents tony's abnormally paranormal (laughs) we're going to talk about the tuscumbia space penguins excellent (laughs) (laughs) but i'd leave the best uh for last cool it sounds like something off of Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, they kind of look like it. <laughs> it? Um, in the winter of 1967, a no-nonsense Missouri farmer had a run-in with a horde of strange, scurrying entities that one could only describe as resembling green penguins. A little bit different from again you, from your regular grays so we've picked my interest yeah so we've had the uh, we have the goblins we've had the spe- steampunk robots and now we're going for the green space penguins mm-hmm. on the chilly morning of february 14th 1967 uh, sorry, do you mean like chile like the place no chili like as in the spicy pepper as in the cold okay but the temperature uh for lots of people though it was a chilly it was a chilly february morning but boy Red hot in the loins department because it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> ah, go yeah. on. A 60, I like where the story's heading. A 64-year-old farmer by the name of Claude Edwards woke up to attend his duties on a remote parcel of land near Tuscumbia, Missouri. 
and I'm feeling clawed. Single. Mm. No Valentine's Day, uh, I guess, special wake me up. <laughs> Breakfast in bed. Is that a Valentine's Day thing? No. Breakfast in bed. Morning glory. That's Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, chocolates, all that uh, nonsense. Lickable Romantic wallpaper? Nonsense. Is that a thing? Lick the wallpaper. Lickable wallpaper. Uh, or was that just Willy Wonka? Candy posing pouch. Do the snozberries taste like snozberries even on Valentine's Day? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I'm asking a question. I just thought I had a flashback into the candy posing pouch. Do you remember that? <laughs> Don't say, do you remember that? Like it was a thing. Sweet and sexy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Edwards was a simple, hardworking man who had no time for any kind of foolishness regarding aliens, flying saucers, or the candy posing pouch. Worked it in there again. Surprisingly, it popped up there. Oh, despite yawning, I'm Are just you tired? really into this. Are you tired? Are you I don't okay? know. I'm tired. End of the week. End of the week, yeah. Big week. I've been walking. I don't know if you know that. You you actually, it's probably, you know, you're exhausted from all the walking. (laughs) I'm almost there today. Didn't someone faint on you today? Yeah, someone fainted on me Was that from the walking? It wasn't from the walking. They weren't walking. They weren't walking. Okay. I was just worried if I'd need to rush over if I'm going to catch you. (laughs) Less than 200 steps and I've made my target for today. Beautiful. You could actually produce I'll be back in a minute. You should do some steps on the spot Do you think next week I should do the entire show on the treadmill? Yeah, actually, we could do it in the garage on the treadmill. Okay. That'd be quite good. <laughs> All right. If I hit my target of $125. If you did it on the treadmill in the candy posing pouch. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Let me see what I'm up to while you do this. Uh so Edwards, who uh, he, sorry, we're saying he's a uh, no-nonsense kind of uh, Missouri farmer. So, you know, he gets up in the morning, he... Uh, Tends to his fields, yep. his crops, his animals, yep. um, just does the same thing every day. You know, no no reason for him to be thinking about anything like aliens or flying saucers or men from Mars or whatever. Yep. Uh, so Edwards later stated that the first indication he had that something out of the ordinary was going on was when he noticed all of the cattle in his field gazing in the same direction. So he's like, no nonsense farmer, walking out, cattle. My cattle beast staring at something. Mm-hmm. What are they staring at? What um, my cattle be staring at? A person on a treadmill doing a podcast. Yeah, in a candy posing patch. <laughs> yeah. Intrigued, Edwards followed their stairs through a grove of trees and was astounded to see what he described as a massive, greyish-green, mushroom-like object, which was perched atop a circular tube in the meadow adjacent to his barn. Almost as if on autopilot, the farmer continued to the barn, his eyes never leaving the UFO. He set down the feed bucket he'd been hefting around and latched the door shut. With his barn secured, Edwards then turned back towards the peculiar object occupying his field. And that's when he saw something he would never forget. A group of tiny, strange creatures hastily swarming beneath the object. So, seeing this mushroom UFO, so the way I understand it to be is it's like a like a mushroom with the stalk at the bottom. Yep. It's resting on the stalk and it's very mushroomy and balloony at the top. Yep. Then scurrying beneath are the space penguins. Weird. Mm. I've never heard anything like this. Oh, eh? Nothing even close, apart from Madagascar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Edwards estimated that he was separated from the odd entities by about 70 feet or 20-ish metres of land. Yep. Two wire fences and a smattering of cows. 
the gutsy farmer, I'm not sure if he was really that gutsy, but um, I'm going to give it to him, uh, was, was pleased, was not pleased by the fact that the cows were being spooked or his property was being trespassed upon. That's, that's good, yeah. real salt of the earth cut kind of guy there. You know? Yeah, that's that's probably the initial reaction. So I'm like, you know, what are these aliens doing here? It's like, um, what the right do you have? Protesters. Yeah, what right do you have to spook my cows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they could be. They'd be protesting about uh, you know these the ecological standards of of maybe the of farming on the environment. We're gonna go down this again. <laughs> Keep going. Let's pretend this is 1967, which it is in the story, and we don't care about the environment. Yeah, more fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More coal, more fertilizer. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. uh, Edwards climbed the first gate and started walking towards the intruders. Hmm. Sounds like an alarm, but it's actually a cat. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear that. I can't. I've... I can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really distracting. I'm not sure what to do. She all right? He all right? Louis? Yes? He's coming in. Um, it's fine. Just needy. Okay. Uh, as Edwards reached the second gate, the diminutive, 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 the diminutive, diminutive creatures began moving uh, in an even more agitated fashion. Diminutive, diminutive. Isn't it funny how uh, there's, there's actually a number of words that I can't pronounce? Mm. And this gets struck here. Uh, the, the funny thing about that is that. I was purposely pronouncing it wrong just because it sounded like you were correcting to what I said. The diminutive creatures began diminutive. moving began moving in an even more agitated fashion. Agitative. Uh, Edwards would later describe these miniature monsters miniature. as being approximately three feet or a meter in height and having a green complexion. So these things are tiny. Hmm. They're like, um, shall Penguin us? sized. Yeah. And I think it's like, what's an emperor penguin these days? Knight. The king of the penguins? Yeah. What's what are he, you asking What's he me? up to? How tall's he? Can you How tall's he? How tall's he? Halsey, the, the singer. How tall is an emperor penguin? You find that out while I'm doing this. I've got to do something, right? You do. You've got to earn your keep. I've done three stories in a row, man. I mean, I've been busy. You, you at least look up how the height of an emperor, emperor penguin. I've edited 71 in a row. Oh, come off it. <laughs> Uh, so Edwards claimed that these alienish creatures were either wearing goggles or had large, wide-set black eyes. So there's an eyes thing that's not slitty or slanty, like I may have said in previous episodes. Move on quickly. <laughs> so they had so these creatures had large, wide-set black eyes or were wearing some type of goggles. They 122 also, centimeters in height. So it's taller, which is 48 inches for those of you playing. In one country in the world. <laughs> one country in the world that we have to make an exemption for. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, so who's won the battle? Does be a space penguin or an emperor penguin? Uh, depends on intelligence, I guess. Uh, guess. Is an emperor penguin, like, do they have, like, imperial armies? Uh, they, they can get away from, like, orcas. Can they get away from yellow penguins <laughs> or green penguins um, from outer space? Probably, yeah. Okay, then I think we have an answer. Give it to them. I'll yeah. give it to them. Yeah. Always go with home ground advantage, exactly, obviously. Yeah. They're on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their favorite Antarctican um, inhabitants. Um, so it was claimed that these alien type creatures were wearing goggles or had large, wide set black eyes. They also had dark protuberances, managed to get that one out, where their noses and mouths ought to have been. 
So kind of beaky, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not he believed the protrusion to be a natural part of their physical features or some sort of protective or possibly breathing apparatus is not clear. Mm. Should have been clear. Should really should have clarified that. Do you think that it could Can't ask him now. He's dead. A... Can't ask him now. Could just be an emperor penguin in a costume. That have learned to fly. Yeah. Fly mushrooms. Yeah. Um, Edwards watched in wonder as these bizarre creatures buzzed back and forth directly beneath the odd mushroom device, arms swinging frantically at their sides. He would later claim that these invaders resembled little green penguins with no visible neck. There we go. Mm. We've got little blue penguins here. Yeah, little blue penguins. Yellow-white penguins. Yes. And green space penguins in Tuscumbia. Yeah, nice. and emperor penguins, obviously. Of course, of course. Uh, at this point, Edwards... I quite, like, I quite like this bit. As this, at this point, Edwards picked up a pair of bulky rocks and approached what, it, uh, what at this point, he was convinced was some sort of uh, spaceship. In fact, Edwards would later state that his intention was to use the rocks to throw at the device and puncture holes in its sides in order to prevent it from taking off. Mm. So he's thinking here. He's like, oh, yeah, that. Uh, as the farmer approached the mushroom, he was abruptly stopped by some sort of force field. Now, this has uh, been kind of common in, in, this, in, in the previous stories as well. Around um, the Hopkinsville one was again about having some sort of like shooting at these aliens mm-hmm. and uh, not being able to um, it, it manage to uh, attack no them. Impact, right. Yeah, just yeah. bounced off. Yep. Um, Edwards claims that he could neither see nor tangibly feel the force field, but that the pressure of the invisible barrier, uh, the pressure the invisible barrier emitted was unmistakable. So I'm wondering if it's sort of just some kind of like magnetic field. Yeah, you sort of feel like the hair standing up because of uh, the magnetic buzz of through your body. Mm. Who knows? Um, exciting atoms it was then that edwards got his first good look at the soundless glinting vessel he would later describe the metallic surface of the vehicle as being smooth and seamless even going so far as to compare it to shiny silk and that again seems quite common with these uh, ufo uh, encounters that the there's no like rivet marks or seams it's all when a door opens it kind of opens out of nowhere yeah it's um yeah He estimated that the curved top of the craft was about 18 feet or 5.5 metres in diameter and nearly 2.5 metres or 8 feet in height. Reversed it there. It's really quite big. Yeah, for tiny aliens. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stem-like tube that was supporting the object was evidently made of the same material as the dome top and stood not much higher than the beings beneath it. At this point, the perplexed farmer could only discern evenly could also discern evenly spaced oval portholes uh, situated around the lower rim of the craft. Edwards could also see a dazzling array of colours radiating from each of the ovals. So I don't know. I guess like some sort of like disco party going off inside <laughs> type. If you imagine that. Yep. So Edwards, he's not so happy anymore. Kind of, he's kind of lost the um i guess a bit of courage and he's starting to back off so anxiously he turned and backed off but then hurled one of the rocks he had gathered at the object because as you do it's like you know fuck it (laughs) so we've got to try something the rock bounced off the imperceptible barricade noiselessly and landed on the other side of the craft on the ground 
Edwards then threw his second rock with even more force, but this one just skipped over the object like a stone over water before landing in the field, in a field behind the UFO. As soon as he lobbed the second stone, the second, the second entities, the green entities, swiftly disappeared behind the shaft, supporting the craft, presumably into an access door that was concealed from the farmer on the other side. Mm-hmm. It was then that the strange UFO tilted towards him and began silently ascending. So if you are, if you're one of these space penguins, you're here on planet Earth investigating it you've seen some happy harmless cows that are giving a steer some old farmer comes up and starts throwing rocks at you yeah which you can't get because they can't get you because of your force field yeah you're like well probably should leave now so they've overstayed <laughs> our welcome uh it's a bit rude of him it's valentine's day as well so mm-hmm. where's our card the um the force field reminds me of the way that um the the kind of like the locust um, and TR3B, etc. The how it can kind of bend space and time. Mm. That idea of like, if it was kind of like if you if you laid a string over the top of the um, the craft, the rock would follow the string rather than you know cut through it. Yes. Yeah. This bit of um, fun admin ordered the book this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, ordered the book this week. Do we then have to explain it? I suppose so. I guess we have to take a wee interlude here to promote uh, <laughs> Secret Machines Two, Book Two, Book Two. Um, so I noticed my uh, my I got my 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 cash nav on from my credit card, and I got charged this afternoon for it. Oh yeah. yeah. I noticed some people are starting to get it. So yeah. Um, backstory to that, so that it makes sense to people, is um, there's a book series called Secret Machines, which is written um by aj hartley and tom DeLong, formerly of blink 182 um ties together a fictional story through um uh how would you explain it like sightings uh throughout history um so there'll be events theories. that yeah. um people will know about um famous ufo um, occurrences or events that Stories intertwined woven right and through. woven in, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the characters are fictional, but uh, I guess the assumption that as it would be led to believe is that they're based around people's experiences or types of experiences that people have had, and their tales are telling you the story. So I guess it goes back to you know from Nazi Germany yeah. to Roswell. And, and then on from there around those famous historical tales of those first contact or, or first bits of reverse engineering yep. up until the point where big business has secret programs of reverse engineering equipment and almost like a secret war is being waged. Exactly. So um, it's it uh, it's quite a big picture idea where, you know, if we, look, if we think of the world and everything that's gone on and all of these reportings and sightings, um, and then we kind of go down to the minutia of a, a person's experience right throughout, this is that person's story. So they kind of touch on a lot of those more famous cases um, and kind of make sense um, of it all. And what's interesting is, I think we've, there's a couple of tales we've done on this podcast where... There was one. Fam- there was one that happened in New Zealand that was done up in um, around what sounded very much like uh, a locust, yeah, experiencing mechanical issues. That was uh, so locust being the triangle craft yeah. that um, supposedly has been uh, engineered by humans, but reverse engineered from alien tech. Is it? Uh, is it TR three B? TR three B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you like 
seeing you know, hearing the descriptions of that craft and and and, it, and that event it is a locust in my mind that was yeah yeah that that, that was a tr3b and the experience of mechanical issues and yeah it, yeah it was it's incredible so i think lots of that stuff lines up with a number of things we've spoken about in the podcast and other stories that we've heard so um yeah i, I mean i'm sure there's some things that are not not quite right and but given the embellished etc yeah drama but absolutely and maybe things that haven't been passed on but i think the the sources that have been have contributed are credible Hmm. and so it ties into i've mentioned in the past as well to the stars academy of arts and science is a bunch of very high up um caa defense force and you know big brain physics physics scientists and things that were um quite close to some of these projects they now work um with uh tom DeLong and his little um bubble uh trying to uh make these kind of um uaps unidentified aerial phenomenon um more mainstream so there's been um there's been videos leaked by them or uh, released mm. by them not leaked because they're, they're going about it the right way where yeah. they're not a government entity but um they're working with government um, so the place to buy the book, the the series is called Secret Machines, and this is book two, Secret spelt with a K. Um, you can go to tothestars.media and have a look there, um, or it might be on one of your closer, more local sources. Um, it actually worked out to be cheaper for us to buy it somewhere else because of international shipping. Yeah. We got ours. Oh, we got the original one for us from the factory outlet, yeah. <laughs> aka their actual store. We went to the actual store in San Diego and, we and bought a hard copy there um, of the first book. But yeah, pretty cool. Have a look. And back to your story. So we're going back to uh, Edwards has uh, been throwing rocks at this mushroom, and the mushroom decided to get the fuck out and left. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's getting the fudge out of here. So off. So the vehicle uh, here began to. Uh, silently lift off and according to Edwards the flying mushroom scored soared skywards at tremendous speed before it leveled off and began heading northeast of Tuscumbia. The vehicle vanished within moments leaving behind a puzzled Edwards. One detail that would seem to add a stroke of veracity to this admittedly bizarre encounter is the fact that Claude Edwards was a seasoned man of the land who stood very little to gain by admitting to this harrowing event. In fact, when UFO researcher researcher Ted Phillips was introduced to Edwards through his brother, the farmer refused to utter a word about the incident until the researcher pledged to protect his father's anonymity. The farmer's anonymity, not father. <laughs> There's no one's father in here. Uh, which, he's, which he did until Edwards' death. Uh, Phillips described his first encounter with Edwards. When I arrived at the farm, we visited. I uh, spent several minutes gaining his confidence that I wouldn't reveal his name or location until his death. Now, who would say that? Um, just means they're going to kill him. Yeah. It's like, something which, juicy, I'm sorry. And your death will him. happen uh, now. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like talking about the sighting at first but became more comfortable as we discussed the weather and farming. So a couple of good topics there. That's the one. It's and like, how much oh, fertilizer it was using. Yeah, it's like, how's, how's, how's farming? Must, how's must farming be hard. here in the 60s? Yeah, must be hard in the winter. Gained it. I asked him to relive the event in real time, and we began on his front porch, which faces the large barn near the landing area. 
In further support of Edward's claims is the uncanny trace evidence left behind in the field where the UFO had landed. Phillips, who arrived to interview Edwards not long after the events in question, was able to photograph the events, this UFO, the effects this UFO had on the field, including the spot where the support tube had met the soil. Phillips explained, When I arrived at the site, the traces were still quite visible. In, it was one metre in diameter in a slightly irregular circle where the shaft had rested. The soil was extremely dehydrated in contrast with the surrounding soil. I always like trace evidence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Trace uh, elements. What you put on your fertilizer yeah. as a coating. <laughs> this would be the last encounter that Edwards ever reported, because obviously Phillips killed him so he could relate the story. Mm-hmm. Um, with these peculiar space penguins and their mushroom-shaped UFO. Although there was a possible encounter reported by a pair of Finnish lumberjacks four years later in 1971, which bore similarities to Duscumbia. The life form that the woodsman ran into near Kangaskila in southern Finland was a small creature, which would come to be known as the Kanula humanoid. This being was said to be clad in a green-coloured protective suit, similar to the creatures that Edwards bore witness to. Strange. But in all the years since that, the space penguins have not come back. I guess after being you know, hit with rocks. Yeah. And Maybe they're an endangered species on their planet. Oh. <laughs> let's protect them. <laughs> I think, let's put a public service announcement out there. If you see green space penguins, please do not throw rocks at them, because we just don't know how many of them are left. Should we do Pingtober? yeah <laughs> raise money for the penguins so 20,000 steps a day for the space penguins <laughs> yeah yeah Sounds that's good to need. me so yeah that's the uh that's the final in my series about the abnormally well not well, your series apologies. my series yeah. your series you're welcome of the abnormally paranormal excellent nothing else to add uh no i think i think we've summed it up um well and who knows, there might be some more abnormal paranormal ones out there and I'll present another three-part series later on. Yeah, I think the, actually from doing the research on this, I actually found a, probably another an, another three. So we could maybe maybe next year we'll do another, we'll do another <laughs> version of this. Maybe. We'll see if I'm up to presenting it. Yeah, it's a lot of work for you. <laughs> Definitely. It's. This is the hardest you've worked in the last, for a podcast. You saw me yawning, I'm exhausted. Exactly, you're taking the steps. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to run the series, you're trying to do the... <laughs> trying to do your, trying to do your <laughs> five, six, seven, eight dance the steps thing. You're trying to bet on netball, it's just, yeah. it's. Let's move on to this final uh, segment of the show. Um this is the segment where we take the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. I'll flick to a random page. Tony will tell me when to stop, and I'll read one of the stories from the pages we land on. Flicking now. Stop. What? Where have we landed? Mm. Actually, I see you've got your green posters there to mark. That's good. We yep. haven't done this for a wee bit, so <laughs> very prepared. We have landed in... The, is that the one? Inexplicable Crimes and Assaults. Oh, ow. Okay. These are the ones that tend to be not even paranormal. No, they're just... Um, just someone who didn't get caught for the crime. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Let me move it. Ah, let me move it around. <laughs> you screaming? Are you okay? I just knocked the recorder and it ripped my earbuds. I'm just worried about you fainting. 
Although in general the educated upper classes in Haiti profess to be skeptical of voodoo, wealth and knowledge do not necessarily offer them adequate protection against sorcery. A well-to-do society man, a monsieur, Ooh. had a flat a- had a flat tire outside a small village. When he got out of the car to change the tire, he was approached by a small, white-bearded old man, who offered to obtain help from a friend, and suggested that meanwhile the monsieur should return to his home for coffee. Doesn't say what year this is. You're not big on coffee. You got a flat you're, tire. You're swearing off the coffee, aren't you? Uh, we sometimes. had this conversation before. I'm off the coffee during the w- Monday to Thursday. Monday to Thursday, weekends, public holidays. You're on the coffee. Yeah. So hopefully this happened as on a week treat. Hopefully this happened on a weekend. Had this been you in Haiti in year that we don't know. Um, en route, the the man confessed that he had used a spell to cause the flat tire, and over coffee, warned the monsieur that there was an evil charm hidden in his car. Noting the monsieur's amused disbelief, the man became annoyed and asked his guest if he had known Monsieur Celestin, who had died six months earlier. Celestin had been a very good friend, the monsieur replied. Why are they, what's a monsieur? It's a man, isn't it? Uh, yeah, is it just... Is it just a man. Of, yeah, is it, is it meant to be someone like a, an esteemed fellow? Okay. Um... Uh, he had been a very good friend whereupon the man asked the monsieur if he would like to see his friend and without waiting for an answer cracked his whip six times in response a man entered the room backward a backwards man that backwards man he can walk backwards fast as you can (laughs) oh (laughs) squeaky chair a man entered the room backward a figure vaguely familiar to the monsieur when on the man's order, the man turned around. So, <laughs> when on the when on the witch doctor man's order, the man turned around. The monsieur recognized recognized him as his former friend Celestin. But this wasn't quite the Celestin of old. He now stood unmoving, head hanging, face utterly expressionless, speechless, and giving no sign of recognition. A zombie. The monsieur was stunned. The witch doctor man explained that Celestin's death had been caused by a, sa- a spell cast by a sorcerer, who had then transformed him into a zombie and sold him to the witch doctor man for twelve dollars. Twelve dollars, jeez. That's the end of that one. So, definition of monsieur. Yeah. Um. So, probably not this one. Um, Urban Dictionary says monsieur is the act of self. Uh, of sucking oneself while doing an Applejack. Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Yeah, I think you want dictionary.com. Ah, right. And on that note, we'll call that another episode of Lights in the Sky podcast. Join us next week. Um, yeah. I'm a bit flustered here. Uh, <laughs> to to Lou.